Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. With me as always is Frank Madden. Uh, I don't mean to disappoint, but I do not have a cool intro for you tonight. Um, that was that was a special occasion for, for Giannis's wonderful, wonderful night. Um, so I don't have anything special for you. But I, it, the special thing I guess I do have is that this episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. And if you want to use our promo code, that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, Lo bucks for of course locked on bucks and you can use that promo code to get twenty dollars off your very first purchase at SeatGeek. Um, Frank, how are you doing? I'm good. I thought you were going to segue that special thing into me being with you and that being special that you get to share a podcast with me. But I guess SeatGeek is more special. I'm not giving you twenty dollars uh, rebate, so um, you're not. So I, I, I understand. And also, I understand. If, if anything, I should be salty with you because you've willingly shared this stage with other people, and I've never done something like that. That's to true. You. That's true. You're very possessive. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I mean, the shine of of the Giannis game winner, I don't think, is completely worn off. I enjoyed seeing um, all the random articles and takes. Flowing in through the day, I watched the uh, rewatched the play a few more times. Enjoyed that a um, few more times. That was it. I watched it way more a few, than a few I, more I mean, times. I was I was working today, and then I, I had to drive from from Dallas to Austin, so um, so I, I did not have uh, as much time just staring at my my phone um, as as I perhaps normally would on a weekend. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, pretty cool to see all the the buzz and um, you know uh, you have a moment as you were saying a number of moments worthy of uh of you know the highlight shows and everything like that i haven't watched today's starters i wanted to do that i kind of wanted to check you know some of the i, I watched a lot of nba tv last night i did catch sports center it got pushed i watched like the the sports center that's from la i don't watch sports center yep. basically at all because what's the point but Same. i was i was curious to see just how they would um how they would handle it and it, it, they pushed it like towards the middle of the episode um yeah i think they showed it like right after the Cavs game but they did Kenny Mayne did continually from the start of the show make random references to Anteto Kunpo. Um, okay, we need to course, have this conversation, Frank. Yeah. Why on earth can't anyone look at the damn media guide? It's there. Gus Johnson apparently is now. Gus Johnson started pronouncing into Dedekumbo uh, on on uh, Wednesday night, which was interesting because he's always been an Anteto Kunpo guy. Um you know, I, you know, you know what honestly, I mean, Frank? Like, I, it's not, it's not super difficult. Like, if you yeah. want to pronounce it right, you can do it pretty easily. And maybe it, it would help if you look at the original spelling of it. That really gives it away. Where it's a d a d e t o k u n b o. So, like, if you look at that one, oh, it's very simple and easy. But like, I just can't comprehend. Like, we make. Like, everyone wants to make a joke, like, I don't know how to pronounce it. And it's like, look at the damn media guide. It's right there. It's easy. <laughs> like, 
I should I, I should um I should shoot uh Jim Paschke a note and ask him specifically if because he has always said a Dedekumbo, and of course Ted Davis Ted Davis says a Dedekumbo. The media guide says a Dedekumbo. Although when he was first drafted, in fairness, the original pronunciation offered was Antetokounmpo. And oh, then it went so to they're a looking at the media guide from three years ago. Well, that no, no, no. Was... Like, so, well, well, I mean, so uh, I mean, to be fair, and and I don't think people are mispronouncing it because they've done a bunch of research. Um, but at one point it was that, and then it was switched to Dedekumbo. And then actually, I think last year for like a couple months, and I actually asked um, the Bucks PR people about it because it then got switched in the media guide back to Antetokounmpo. And then it got switched back again to a Dedekumbo. I don't know. I think it might have been last year, but certainly all of this year. So it's kind of like gone back and forth. And occasionally it sounds like Giannis will will say it more like the Greek, you know, like the phonetic spelling, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is sort of the non-original pronunciation, which we use. Yeah. Um, and I think, honestly, like I get the impression Giannis doesn't actually like care that much. <laughs> I didn't um, which is partially why, like, I, I think if, I, my, it seems like when people ask him, he's just like, sure, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you did um, good. Well, so done. I, I think. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but it is a little bit weird. I mean, um, I, I yeah, I don't know why, why it's it's um, it's why people why, especially guys who are like TV broadcasters, like the Stacey Kings of the world who like, I mean, Stacey King literally called him Adorambo, uh in that How? that one clip. Like, like it's. It's in. It's written down for you. I mean, your job is to say people's names on TV and for <laughs> millions of, you know, like we're not millions for the local broadcast, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like you think you would like try to get that right, but um, and some TV guys do. Um, the the Pistons guys last week did yeah. um, a very nice job. So shout out to them. But um, but Giannis Adetokounmpo, uh, people are apparently spelling it right on the internet because. 500,000 plus votes in the first round of all-star voting, second among front court players, only to Woo! LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got my I, I corrected my my really uh, low probability prediction from last week when I said it was <laughs> I, I, I didn't have faith in the fans. I said maybe it's 40 percent. I corrected it yesterday just in time or two days ago, just in time to say what did I say like. You still did, no no I think you're like seventy five percent maybe seven was I only seventy okay well I, whatever um, <laughs> but it, it's it's basically it's basically a lock at this yeah. I mean he's he's basically doubling up I mean they're three front court spot he's second I think Kevin Love is third and he's got like half as many votes Correct. as Giannis and um you know and even Kevin Love is gonna get a spot so and I, I forget how who what the fourth place person is at but. Um, keep voting. Obviously, we're gonna keep voting, retweeting it. Do you know? Um, you can only vote for one person at a time in a tweet or in a Facebook comment. So you can't just write Giannis Dedekumbo and Jabari Parker hashtag NBA vote. I've seen a lot of people do that. I don't think you can do it on Instagram, although I see a lot of it on Instagram as well. I don't think they actually count Instagram. Um, they do count they do, Facebook. They do not. Instagram does not yeah. count. They do count Facebook and Twitter. So feel free to do that. We've been tweeting stuff out with the hashtag Did, NBA uh, vote. So. Someone said you can just Google NBA vote and the player's name, and that will like give you an option to vote like immediately. I don't know if that's a thing. Someone told, me, like, someone tweeted that at me that that's the easiest way to vote. I haven't tried it because I wasn't all that curious. And we don't do research for this for this None, podcast. So. Zero research. Um, but I, I'm curious. But yeah, there's a, a ton of ways to vote. But yeah, only one player. Yeah, at, at a I just time. I just googled I just googled Giannis Adetokounmpo NBA vote and. 
there's a big sponsored link with his headshot up top and it says vote now. And let's see if I vote now. Uh, it takes me to a voting page and you can basically just vote for the entire Bucks team because it just shows the Bucks oh. roster. So you can just go ahead and I'm going to vote for uh, Rashad Vaughn as well. Nice. Show Rashad Vaughn a little bit of love. <laughs> a little real time <laughs> voting here on Lockdown Bucks. Yeah, Thon, Thon and Thon Maker and Rashad Vaughn just got their seventh and eighth uh, All Star oh, oh, votes oh, of the year. So oh, congratulations. Oh. Hey, no, love the, love the youngsters. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Giannis. Um, I mean, as we said, I mean, as as we said when I, I think it was with Mitchell and Adam that that we discussed this last week while you were gone. Um, I mean, he's going to get the the media vote, and I mean, I'd be shocked if the players if he doesn't get a good chunk of player votes if he's not top three among players. I think people, I think people in the league understand how incredible he's been this year, and I don't think I don't think people hate Giannis or anything like that. So anyway, yeah. Did so you, uh, uh, did you see Andrew Lynch's tweet about like how the fan player media voting is going to work i just know it's 50 25 25 i don't know more what, what did he say so like they like it doesn't matter like how many like so it wouldn't matter how much Giannis beats kevin love by like there's no like multiplier for oh okay dominating the fan vote and so like you would just get a ranking so uh, among front court players like Giannis would be number two in the Eastern conference. And then they would go over to the players in the media and see where he's ranked in the front court there. And then weigh it appropriately, like 50% for the fans. So number two at 50% and then whatever he is with the players in the media at 25%. And then that's your, that's your ranking. So essentially like the lowest score possible um, will get you the, so like if you're the number one, then you're the number one if you're number two number two um so so that'll be kind of how it works if that didn't make any sense like my explanation there um check out andrew lynch on twitter he retweeted out with he i guess he had emailed like nba officials and how is this going to work and that was the response he got back so it's it's logical um but yeah you can keep piling on and hell like let's go and get Giannis to be the number one vote getter like why not? Let's go do it. Uh, but it won't necessarily matter and give him any more any more power because he has more votes. Yeah, and so he is ninety uh, ninety five thousand votes behind LeBron, five ninety five to five hundred. LeBron's the highest vote getter. Kyrie Irving is the second highest vote getter in the East with five forty three, and then there's basically no other guard over three hundred. Um, as I mentioned, Kevin Love is at two fifty, so basically he's half of Giannis. So Giannis has a very comfortable lead for number two. And then in the West front court, the controversy of the day was Zaza. He did it. Four hundred thirty nine thousand. There, there are what up, Georgian Georgia? hackers. What the up, Russian, Georgia? The Rus- How are you? The, Ru- the Russian hackers or Georgian hackers. I don't know. <laughs> Russia probably. Russia and Georgia probably don't get along. I, don't, I have no idea what the geopolitics of that are. But um, there's there's some hacking going on for the second straight year, I can only assume. So um, the uh, the Twitter bots are working hard for, for Zaza. He's second behind Kevin Durant in the West front court. He has 439,000 votes, 100,000 more than Kawhi Leonard in third, Anthony Davis, 318, that's Draymond crazy. Green, DeMarcus. So that's just, that's just friggin' silly. Um, but that's why yeah. the, the, that's why obviously the, um, the, the two other pieces of voting, you, you can only hope that they prevent Zaza from getting an all-star. I mean, I love Zaza, yeah. but 
I mean, it would be pretty cool if Zaza and Giannis started an opposing front court just be because wild. they are good friends. Because Zaza yeah. was like a, a you know the, the 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 vet when Giannis was a rookie, and um, you know I, I think we need to see Giannis and Zaza jumping uh, <laughs> for the, the the tip. At you the mean All-Star Giannis jumping for the tip? Yeah, yes, Giannis jumping and Zaza, um, whom, who uh, our our friend Dan Sinclair once referred to when he made a nice pass as a point statue. Um, <laughs> that's probably the best description of of Zaza that I've heard. Um, yeah, and actually, interestingly, in the West, Steph Curry five twenty three, barely edging James Harden five nineteen, and Russell Westbrook five oh one. So you've got three guys. He might not um, start. With, what, Steph Curry might not start the All Star game. Well, should he start? I mean, I, I Harden think, and Westbrook yeah, are the yeah. are the two guys who are like the top. You know, everybody seems to think are the two top um, candidates for MVP, right? So I 100% agree. All I'm saying is that a two-time <laughs> MVP is just gonna f- not necessarily fall off the face of the earth, but that's significant to go from yeah go- winning those to not starting the next year's All Star game. Like that's kind of a crazy yeah. crazy fall. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting too because at first I thought, oh, you know, the the warrior bump is Zaza's also getting a warrior bump, but I mean Draymond's fifth at two thirty six, um, so you know basically, and Clay's at two ninety three. So I mean, obviously those guys are getting plenty of votes, but um, certainly not as many as them. Uh, Jabari sixty four thousand. He's at number ten in the front court. He's the only other buck to uh, make the leaderboard. Actually, I'd note sort of you know getting back to to how the the final votes are going to be done. I mean, the the only other guy that I could see um, getting in the top three deservedly um, in the East front court would be Jimmy Butler. And it's kind of interesting to see that he's number six right now behind just behind Carmelo um, at number five and Joel Embiid running uh, his own campaign <laughs> at number four. Um, so it's kind of interesting because I think if Butler finishes, you know, six, for instance, I mean, it's really tight there. But if he were to finish sixth, that would be a good thing just to make sure that you know one other competitor for Giannis is uh is far out when it comes to the player and uh and uh coaches voting so that's good but i think it it seems very unlikely that Giannis is not going to be one of the three front court starters in the all-star game and you know whatever we may be jinxing it but um i mean logic at this point would say it would take some some strange i don't know if the georgians could uh could throw this who knows maybe <laughs> Maybe the Georgians uh, are, are, I mean, Giannis maybe is an international player. So maybe, yeah, so I don't know, maybe point. I shouldn't be slandering, maybe I shouldn't be slandering the Georgians, maybe I should be thanking them. Yes. So, um, yeah, keep, keep uh, hashtag NBA voting for Giannis, Giannis <laughs> Adetokounmpo, uh, Georgian fans, um, and, uh, and hopefully we'll get it. So that, that's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it, again, we've, yeah. it's kind of been like normalized because we've been kind of, you know, again, this slow process of realizing like, Oh yeah, Giannis is totally deserving, and people are actually noticing now. So this this latest, I, I'm sure that the last week and uh, the game winner and and everything else, you know, hopefully you can have a big game on Friday against the Knicks on national TV. Hopefully all that can kind of continue to um, build build some some you know build some additional momentum for for Giannis's uh, you know kind of hype campaign because he's obviously he's he's not letting it affect his play so far. Yeah, and it, it's crazy to think what kind of week it's been for Giannis. That Monday, Bucks Thunder, huge crowd at the BC, and a loud crowd at the BC, and they take it to the Thunder. Then Lee Jenkins' story on Tuesday, the cover comes out. Wednesday hits the game winner, and 
Then you get to Friday, another matchup against the Knicks, another one of these strange home-and-homes. And it is going to be on national TV, which is always exciting. But if you want to be one of the people that people see on national TV, you can go to the game, and you can go to the game with our friends from SeatGeek. And surprisingly, Frank, this this is really cool. This is really exciting. So finding a good ticket to Bucks games thus far this season has not been very difficult. SeatGeek's job for all the for all the for all the attendance shaming we've been doing, it's it's still been easy to get a good deal on a ticket. Correct. SeatGeek has made it very very easy for you, and really they haven't had a very hard job. Friday they <laughs> they appear to have a hard job. Like I'm looking at it, there are still some of the amazing deals, and you know it's an amazing deal because you see the dark green dots. So there's some of those on the upper level. There's some of them on the lower level. But normally when I I open up this page, it looks like a bowl full of green skittles. Green. Like that's yeah. that's what it looks like. Like huge <laughs> dots. Uh, they're dark green, and that's what it looks like. But not for Friday night, which is exciting. So that's awesome. But again, SeatGeek, if you're going to find a seat into the game on Friday, SeatGeek would be the place to go. Obviously, they do the price comparing for you. They find the best deals, and they spit them out for you. Here on their website, here on the app, uh, you can see exactly where your seat's going to be. So SeatGeek is the place to go, obviously. L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's our promo code for Locked On Bucks. And it's very easy to use. You need to go to the settings tab. Go to uh, use a promo code, enter the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S for Lockdown Bucks, and you get a $20 rebate off your very first purchase at SeatGeek. So that would be the way to get in. And to get into that game on Friday, I guess it's a little bit better ticket than I think Wednesday's game would be because Chris Stapps might be playing. I I still don't know if that's been 100%. Uh, cleared up whether or not he's playing, but he might be playing, which is better than the chance you had on Wednesday when he didn't play. Um, also, I think it makes that game, I was going to say more interesting, but the Bucks came out totally flat against a Chris Stapsless, Chris Stapsless uh, Knicks team. So <laughs> does does that mean the Bucks come out with a little bit more fire? Do they get rid of some of these slow starts, Frank? I guess, what are you watching on Friday? Well, first off, the official term is Porzingless. Oh, um, God, why did, missing... I, why did I not think of that, Frank? You're so right. Um, okay. Secondly, um, I want the Bucks to win this game, so I don't care who's not playing. <laughs> I, in fact, would love it for the Knicks to be very careful and cautious with Chris Apps Porzingis. So as much as I appreciate the artistic stylings of the uh so-called lativian gangbanger uh i believe that was michael rapaport's nickname for him he's latvian um the uh i'm fine with the Knicks' best player not playing um because lord knows the bucks uh were probably fortunate that he didn't play on wednesday but um but yeah it's going to be interesting i mean uh, you know the Knicks have, have been banged up um on the injury report right now uh chris apps is listed as questionable um, you know, he wasn't a game time decision. I mean, they, I think they announced like during the day. It was, you know, it, it wasn't like he was testing it out. It seemed like they decided pretty early in the day that w- he wasn't going to play. So, um, you know, maybe he's still one more one more game away. Um, but we will we will obviously see. They play um, the Pacers on Saturday uh, at Indiana. So, you know, would they want to bring him back mm. on Friday and then, you know, 
it doesn't seem like the kind of injury you'd want to have him play a back-to-back right away with. Um, So who knows? If he's ready, maybe they sit him out Friday and then bring him back for the second night of the back-to-back refreshed um, and and ready to play. But but who knows, right? I'm sure he he wants to get back in there, and obviously they they could really use uh, use the help. Although, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Lance Thomas, for the most part, did a very respectable job, um, Lance and Carmelo. I mean, it's not like Jabari and, and Giannis uh, had an easy time of it scoring. Um, I think the Bucks uh, were defended pretty well by the Knicks for for a lot of that game. And actually, I mean, the ironic part was that was actually a, a very solid start by Buck standards. Um, we've been used to the Bucks, yeah, falling behind early, and and then you know we we've been. Uh, complaining about John Henson a lot and how the Bucks always seem to start slow and he gets trucked by centers early in games. Um, I mean, he still got kind of trucked by Joe Noah on uh, on Wednesday, but uh, the Bucks overall, like you know, they they were tied or slightly ahead for for much of that first quarter. I think they were up two at the end of the first, and but it did seem like in the third quarter they, you know, where we've often kind of seen you know a lot of the good have played they've kind of turned it on in the third quarter and gotten separation and obviously on Wednesday that was that was not the case and it seemed like they were almost just waiting for the Knicks to just sort of give up and <laughs> let them let them start scoring and the Knicks have been a terrible defense this year but uh, you know give them some credit they you know they they obviously ultimately hemorrhaged transition points 27 to 4 um, but it, you really had to wait until that you know start of the fourth quarter when that bench unit with Jabari um, really got them back into the game. Craig Monroe played great. Jason Terry had some good minutes, um, but uh, but yeah, definitely closer than you'd like, and um, pretty important with with this game coming up, and then the uh, Washington uh, Winers or Wizards, um, who's I don't know how how hurt John Wall and Bradley Beal's feelings still are about Giannis, you know, playing the first half of the fourth four quarter of that game, they were blowing out the, the Wizards in a few weeks ago and they were mad about it or whatever and use it as motivation. So um, you can only hope that they are no longer motivated um, by that uh, on, on Sunday, but a pretty important game, one o'clock game, because um, winning those two games, they, they do have some tough road games coming up this month. Um, I think it's an even home road split, but they do go to San Antonio next week. And, um, you know, they, they definitely uh, don't want to lose momentum here heading into January after a very encouraging month of December. I enjoy you veering slightly to the right to take that shot at the Wizards. That was very much enjoyable, Frank. Um, also, before we started recording, you mentioned that the Knicks were kind of what was what was me it after the game uh, on Wednesday night. And I wrote at ESPN. Do you want do you want do you want to do you want to just make sure that our listeners know what what the Knicks were, were, were whining about. I mean, sure. they weren't, Go for in it. fairness, they weren't complaining about the Bucks showing them up or something like that. You know, um, if they had been complaining about the Bucks having the gall to win a game in MSG and disrespecting <laughs> them, then um, that would have been awesome. But no, they, they didn't do that. But uh, Derek Rose uh, telling uh, Ian Bagley, I think he's of ESPN New York, about the Giannis deflection uh, late in the fourth, which, which you noted, might have been a foul, but that it seems like that kind of play is like the one thing they let you get away with late in games yeah. in terms of like slapping at ball at a ball. Like once a guy kind of has it secured, they'll often sort of like preemptively call fouls. But if you kind of slap it away right sort of on the catch and sometimes you get it. But anyway, Derek Rose, a forlorn Derek Rose, um, sadly, after the game commented, quote, <laughs> they don't get they don't give me any calls. So I guess I lost the game. And then uh, Carmelo, 
um, perhaps not wanting to be outdone in that battle <laughs> of, um, you know, Eeyore-ish uh, comments said after the game that uh, when we win, it's us. When we lose, it's me. Oh, Carmel- poor Carmelo. Just what a poor guy. Poor guy. Kind of feel bad for him. Um, I was going to so say, yeah, though, it, it is funny. Earlier this week, I wrote about at ESPN Milwaukee how the Bucks are now annoying and <laughs> how every week it seems like there's a new team that, oh, first it was the Cavs that, oh, the we didn't we didn't like the way that the Bucks did this, and then it was the Wizards. And the Knicks don't complain about it, but you can kind of tell, like, oh, maybe I should get more calls or maybe I'm not as big of a superstar as I thought I was. And it, it's just funny that so often now – the Bucks are kind of drawing this reaction out of teams. And uh, I posited in, in my piece that it's just a scoreboard. Like teams don't like getting beat down and the Bucks have handed out some beat downs this year. Uh, and I think that's a lot of it. And also giving up a huge lead to a team that's frustrating and the Bucks are capable enough to do it. And essentially the Bucks aren't a team you walk over anymore. And for a lot of the league, I think that's annoying. Like it used to be, okay, Bucks are on the schedule. All right, we can we can chalk an easy one up there. And maybe in the last few years, it's been like, well, Giannis might go off, but you know what? They're still not good, so we can we can handle this. But the they've become an annoying team, and that's kind of cool to watch. So, um, all right, with this next game. One thing I've been watching this last week, and we will preview the Wizards game that is on Sunday, but. I've been kind of fascinated with the Bucks' crummy starts and in the first quarter and against the Knicks in the third quarter as well. And I, I think I've been trying to reason with myself. What, what is the reason for the Bucks' crummy starts? And, and I think both you and I made the obvious joke when we were talking before we started recording. Well, John Henson, um, let's just, pile on John Henson and that can be the reason. Um, but I decided to try to go past John Henson to go past bearing John Henson. And part of me wonders, I think one thing I've been talking about on Twitter is that Brogdon is certainly a, a more, a more talented player than Matthew Delvadova. Uh, he, he can actually get to the rim. He, he can do some things off the dribble and Delvadova does, doesn't necessarily do those same things. And part of what I, I've been wondering is it always seemed like with Delhi, it was, it was kind of his responsibility. One thing I, I think I really enjoy about his game. And I, I think a lot of other Bucks fans enjoy is that he does whatever he can to get Jabari and Giannis involved. If it's a fast break, if he's going off the dribble, if he if he probably has to dribble into some trouble to somehow get them the basketball, mainly it, it could be to bail himself out because uh, he's not quite as talented as Brown. He's not going to be anybody to the rim, but he, he would always try to find ways to, to get Giannis and Jabari involved. And I don't know if Giannis needs that, quite as much as Jabari does, but lately Jabari hasn't had the big quarters or the big first quarters that he's had in December. There was games where, I mean, it was eight points after the first quarter, 11 points, 12 points. Um, and lately it's been two points, three points. I think over the last four games, it's three, three, 
four and four or four and three. So it it hasn't been a ton. And part of me wonders, is he struggling to deal with one? I don't, I don't think the, the Giannis thing, okay. Giannis is always out on the floor with him and, and maybe he struggles with that a little bit, but getting a more dominant on ball player in Brogdon than Delhi is that having some sort of effect on Jabari Parker? He's he's been a little bit slower, uh, or he's been, his stat lines haven't been as flashy. He hasn't been scoring as much lately. Do you think that's having a little bit of an effect on Jabari Frank? That maybe he's not adjusting to Brogdon in the starting lineup, maybe as well as some of his teammates. Is it? I was looking at NBA Wowie and, and some of the you know lineup pairings and things like that. And I mean, he's been great with with Brogdon and no Giannis. He's 65% true shooting, which is phenomenal, and mm-hmm. 24.9 points per 36. So, you know, we've seen that. Uh, we've seen the the thing where Jabari kind of just goes to work when Giannis is on the bench, um, you know, oftentimes late in first quarters or middle of first quarters. Um, and and Brogdon's obviously typically been on the court then because he comes in uh, in that situation a lot of times. So uh, there's a lot of precedent for Jabari playing very well with Brogdon when Giannis, who's obviously the most ball dominant in the high, you know, kind of the, the you know, obviously your highest score when he's not on the court. Um, when all three of them are on the court, Jabari is slightly below average in terms of his points per 36. He's less efficient. He's 52.6% true shooting, which is not great. Um, but that's kind of a, I think that's kind of a, phenomenon we've seen in general i think that also holds up a bit with with the starting five in general when when jabari's been out there with with the starting group so jabari hasn't necessarily been as effective early in games um and it seems like he kind of sometimes needs um you know that that first five minutes or something to feel it out and obviously Giannis has gone to the bench early in a lot of games um and then he comes back late in the first quarter or, or to start the second so so i don't know um i mean i think in general it's kind of one of these strange things. Um, I would not have expected Jabari to be as good, to be ridiculously good with Giannis on the bench. Um, Cause it's not like Giannis. I don't think Giannis's lack of shooting, for instance, um, is, you know, hurting Jabari's ability to, to score. Cause um, certainly to spaces, but you know, Beasley doesn't really space that much. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a good, a good explanation, but, um, obviously we're still kind of in the early days of the, the Brogdon as a starter, um, grouping. And, you know, I think there's naturally going to be some kind of adjustment period there for that. But, um, you know, I will say I'm interested by it and I would love if others would keep an eye on it. Uh, and I know we, we have a lot of people that do listen pretty much most days. So if you do, and then that means if you are watching Bucks games, if, if you want to send tweets at myself at Eric, underscore name eric underscore nehm or at f madden nba for frank madden um do that as well just because i'm curious again it, there's such a small sample size and it obviously there's going to be some maybe rough patches as a team it's, it's, it's a large adjustment and who knows maybe on friday delhi's ready to go and then they have to readjust everything but either way i'm interested in it so let me know um that's friday night's game before we record again, there will be a Wizards game on Sunday, and the Bucks have, I think, termed it Wisconsin Sports Day, and they're doing a bunch of deals at the BC, I think a happy hour beforehand, and some deals if you wear Packers or Bucks gear because the Packers play at 340 on Sunday. Um, so that's just a big Wisconsin Sports Day. Taking a look at that Wizards matchup, the first time against the Wizards, 
the Bucks just beat them down. 123 to 96. There, there's really no other way to say it. Giannis goes for 39. He was at the line for 40, and everyone was chanting MVP at the BC. Like I can understand why the Wizards were annoyed by that because they got clowned that night. Um, two nights later, or no, let's see, three nights later. So that was Friday, December 23rd. On Monday, December 26th, Bucks go toe-to-toe with the Wizards, and then this is what leads to us having an, another clutch conversation. Are the Bucks doing the right things? Uh, have they figured this out? Do they know what they're doing? And, yeah, it didn't really seem that way. So they lose 107-102 in that game. What are you expecting for this third game? Is it as simple as... The first time at home, they won by a lot, so they're at home again. They're going to do it again. Is it maybe these teams are more evenly matched than uh, the first game? Is that an outlier? What are you thinking here with the Wizards game? I don't think it's. I'm trying to think. Think while I, I'm trying to think if they've had. I know they've had at least one afternoon game so far. I'm trying to remember who that was against. Um, I generally historically don't trust early start games. I I don't know just. At all, there's sometimes it's, just, it's not the guys aren't used to it. You you just never know exactly how how they're going to react. Um, this ain't college. This is this is the NBA. <laughs> um, but you know, again, I mean, the Wizards have have played better certainly um, after after a slow start. Um, you know, we've seen firsthand that they are a team that that the Bucks can can certainly um, have issues with at least closing out. Um, but by the same token, you know, the Bucks arguably, you know, quote unquote, should have won. Um, each of those games uh, that they lost uh, in in Washington, so um, you know, I think they led late in in both of those games. I want to say, but um, but we'll see. So I, I don't know. I never really know what to make of this Wizards team. Um, as of now, they've lost two in a row. They're they do they have won six of their last ten, sixteen and eighteen start. Um, and interestingly, I mean, they're only three and twelve on the road, so they have struggled a lot away from Washington, which is kind of interesting because you always hear of the of Wizards home games as being like pretty dead um but you know obviously there's more than just the crowd that goes into home court advantage and um it does seem like they they've tended to to struggle way more than you might expect um away from the verizon center so um again you know another measuring stick game another really important kind of game to bank especially with washington in the ninth spot right now the knicks are in the 10 spot um a half game behind washington at 16 and 19 the wizards are 16 and 18 um and then you know the pacers are um you know only a half game back in the standings of the bucks as well although they've lost two more games than the bucks so it's definitely an interesting situation um the hornets uh, we're recording this on thursday night the hornets lost uh, by one point in Detroit, which dropped the Hornets to 20 and 17. So, um, you know, again, in the standings, like the Bucks can draw even with a win uh, tomorrow night. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to to kind of see that that would put them ahead on percentage points, put them in fifth. And the fascinating thing is that the Hawks are 20 and 16. They're the number four seed right now. They just traded Kyle Korver for, <laughs> um, I guess, kind of nothing. Um, I yeah. guess Mike Dunleavy's going somewhere, but probably perhaps not Atlanta. Um, and obviously we're hearing all this buzz about Millsap perhaps getting moved. And just in general, I don't know what the Hawks are really, where the Hawks are really going. So um, they've been pretty good. They've won five in a row after beating New Orleans on Thursday night, but they seem like they could be on the verge of kind of blowing up their team. Uh, so as we said, I mean, the Bucks. Um, I think last time I checked were 
projected to finish fourth in the East now with in the latest 538 projections. Um, and you can kind of just see things are really fluid right now. And obviously beating all these teams that are jostling for room is, is important. And um, we'll be interested to see. A couple of comments. I was just kind of messing around with the Bucks kind of um, splits over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 games. It's actually some really interesting stuff because the Bucks' pace has fallen a lot over the last, I mean, it progressively has fallen, basically. If you look at the last 20, 15, 10, and 5, in each of those samples, the Bucks' pace has, has fallen further and further. And in each of those samples, their true shooting percentage and offensive rating has gone up and up and up. <laughs> over the last five games, they're at 115 points per 100, which is like <laughs> Toronto Raptors, Golden State Warriors territory. Yeah. Um, last last 10 games almost 113 last 15 111 last 20 almost 111 um they're at 107 for the season and i mean they are a top 10 offense right now because Giannis is awesome basically um and they're shooting more threes that helps too um so it's this interesting phenomenon where they've actually they're they're not necessarily playing at just this like really fast pace but they are scoring um a ton of points they're scoring really efficiently their fast break numbers have not fallen that much to be honest um, so they're still scoring a, a good chunk in transition. So you could say, you know, they're running smart. They're outscoring <laughs> teams. I think they're like plus five points per game in transition. Um, so their transition transition defense has been very good, especially for a team that obviously um, likes to push it themselves. And um, and it's kind of interesting to see. So um, do you gotten worse over that span as well? As you might imagine, that's, you know, kind of why they are not. Have, don't have a better record, although, um, you know, the fundamentals, the net rating, last five plus six, last 10 plus seven, last 20 plus 6.4. Um, and, you know, that's that's the net rating of a really, really good team. So um, so I think it's it's definitely interesting to see kind of how these numbers shake out. We'll be interested to how the trends go. And the interesting thing, too, is as the Bucks have gotten better, um, they've allowed much higher three point percentage numbers, um, which, you know, we've talked a lot about the mean regression mm-hmm. um, or the regression to the mean that we expected. Uh, and that has definitely been occurring over that. those same splits opponent three point percentage is going up and up over the last four or five games. I think it's like over 40%. It's been high thirties um, over the last, I think 10 games or so. Uh, but, but interestingly, the the good news <laughs> is that there are three point attempts allowed, which is we say that the thing you can control more in the NBA. Yep. Um, that has gone down a little bit. It was I think around thirty early in the season. It's un, been under twenty seven. You know, which again is still I mean, there's a lot of threes, but um, but it is it is at least going down a little bit. Um, so it's kind of interesting that their defense is getting worse. They're allowing fewer threes, but they are allowing better percentages on those threes. So it's kind of some interesting trends to watch. And obviously we saw the Knicks hit a, a lot of threes, I think, especially in those first three quarters. And that's obviously, you know, often a big theme. I'll be hoping that I don't see Otto Porter camped out shooting wide open corner threes, uh, on Sunday because Porter Porter's having a really good season, but, um, Jabbar and others uh, seem to lose him far more often than you would have liked uh, in in the Washington games we've seen so far. So, anyway, yeah, hopefully keep keep it rolling. Another two wins this weekend, I think, would lock up probably assuming Giannis plays well. I think would lock up um, another Player of the Week honor in 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 my uh, estimation. So, um, I, I don't know if that matters, but you know. It's got to keep the Giannis momentum going. Certainly. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting, like you said, to see if those numbers continue. Uh, The Knicks on Friday and especially the Wizards on Sunday. John Wall has just been been a wizard. 
against the against the Bucks. He's really been able to find guys wide open for those corner threes and really create a lot. Uh, I mean, I don't even know since John Wall's been a wizard <laughs> uh, against the Bucks. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I before we started recording, I had told you that before the Bucks embarked for New York after that Thunder game, uh, Giannis was talking about how the two Knicks games were must wins. Um, and I, I kind of remarked on how, how funny I thought it was, but at the same time, if he, if he's viewing it kind of the same way we are, that against Eastern Conference teams, you have to win against teams that you think you're better than, or at least very close to, you have to win. And then, okay, you can lose some of those games. And yeah, if you beat the Knicks, you're 19 and 16 on Friday night, three games over 500. And then hopefully you give yourself a little bit of wiggle wiggle room to stay around 500 the rest of the season, um, or at least for the next month or however long for the next week, for the next two weeks, whatever period of time you want to say um, that that's very important. So we'll see what the Bucks do in these next two games. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for commenting on Twitter. Thank you for uh, reviewing on iTunes. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, we, we love that all of you guys like to participate so much and you guys like to listen so much. And we're going to have, uh, obviously, our promo code for SeatGeek. It's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks. And you can use that for a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. So go ahead and do that today. For Frank Men, I've an Eric name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We're out.